Well, we're in week four in a series called The New You, and we're trying to discover who we really are. Now, if you're new, we, we put everything on a podcast. This is week four, so we'll recap because we're laying a foundation of what happens when you decide to hear uh, and follow Jesus. When you hear the good news and you say, you know what, this is good news to me. I'm going to trust that Jesus will do what he promised. What happens? And so far, we've seen at least three things. We'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, we are a new creation. We're absolutely made brand new. We also have a new identity. That is, because Jesus has transformed us, we're not the same person. We are now holy. We're able to be in the presence of God. That's what it means to be holy. So God is holy, and now you are holy, and he's making you holy. We can enjoy God in ways we couldn't before, and we belong to a new family. That is, once we were not part of the people of God, now we've been included so it's not just me following Jesus. He put us together, and he's doing something in this family that's beautiful and amazing. His presence is real, and we're called to crave. Well, if you were here last week, the end result is because these things are true, something should happen. Based on what's true, things should change. And the, the call last week was to crave. As newborn babies, First Peter says, crave spiritual milk. The metaphor is baby needs mom's milk to survive and to grow. And in the same way, there's never a moment we don't need Jesus. We always need him. So lifestyle of craving. Now, we said last week we have all sorts of cravings. Part of me craves to live the way I used to live. But how do I crave more of God, follow him, rather than giving in to my own cravings? Well, this week we want to build on that, on how. How does it actually happen? If I'm new, I'm a new person in Jesus, made holy, growing to be more like Jesus. How do I actually change? This week and next week, we're going to build on, I think, the greatest gift that God's given us to see change happen. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what? There are parts of my life I'm not happy about, the people around me aren't happy about, but I don't know what to do. Listen in clearly. Write this down. Today we're going to focus on the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. That's real simple, but that's not simplistic. And this is a conversation I think many of us know about, but we need to rediscover the reality of. We have the Holy Spirit. Look at Jesus' promise, John 14. I invited you there. We'll start in verse 12. It says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. They're going to do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask, speaking to his disciples, in my name, so that the Father may be glorified, the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the day before Jesus goes to the cross. He has his disciples. He says, I'm going to go, but you need to know greater things are going to happen in this world because of you. And it's going to happen because it's the Father's desire. And you're going to ask in my name. And that's kind of a grand setup for failure if you're like most of us. Like, great. What if I were to tell you that Jesus wants to do greater things through you and your life than he did when he walked planet Earth? Yeah, okay, right, whatever. That's just, I think we're, we're caught in like, I can't believe that. Well, you should, but here's why. Here's the disclaimer, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. Here's the how. I will ask the Father. So he said greater things. But I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. 
and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him and neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus says greater things are going to happen in my world through my people. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. You belong to a new people. You're part of a new thing that God is doing. And he says the how. I'm going to ask the Father, and when I go back to the Father, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth who will be with you. Now, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we come from all sorts of places. For some of us, we're real familiar. We've looked at the Bible. We understand. But I think many of us, because of the word spirit, we think force. Like, you know, when I follow Jesus, I become a Jedi. Like, I, I get this, this, this thing. I don't even know where it is, but the force, the force, the force. Well, no, the spirit is not a force. And the spirit is not like a thing like, you know, I'm going to give you a computer to do the work or I'm going to give you new software so God's going to download, you know, the new iOS in your soul and woo, now I work. No, that, it's, that's not what the Bible's saying. The word spirit in our language can be confusing. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the spirit of truth is a person. So think of friendship with a person. Jesus says, I'm going to send a person myself who is holy. He's with you. He's going to be in you and you know him, but you know him. And some of us were just not aware day by day of who we are walking through life with. And friendship is vital. It's the start to a new school year for many of you. Your kids are going to school. And you know, because if you remember middle school, most of us have blocked it out, middle school or high school. If you remember those days, there's the teacher, the curriculum, the school, the growing. But what made or, or broke school for many of us were friends, wasn't it? If you didn't have a link of a group of friends, I remember going into high school. I went to a, a different middle school, a private school for one year. I went to high school, and it was huge, and walked to the lunchroom freshman year. And I'm like, I don't have a friend. This is hell on earth. Because I, I have to navigate food, and all these people have their friends. But it didn't take long, and suddenly as as friends came along, it made the same experience so much better. The food was still terrible, but it, the, the, the experience was better. Friend, friends make or break a school year. Friends make or break your work environment. Friends make or break relationships. And here's what Jesus says. You're new. I'm going to make you new. He goes to the cross, pays for our sin. He rises again. He's alive. Now he comes and recreates us, makes us holy and comes and says, I'm going to friendship with you. The Holy Spirit is a person who an advocate literally means one who comes alongside to aid. So God believes in you. Jesus says greater things are going to happen through you. But he's not saying go do it. Like, I'm going to do it with you. Now, by the way, the spirit is called the spirit of truth. So friends are good, but the analogy breaks down. In this case, it doesn't. God's presence, God's friendship with you, now in you, and it's true. Whatever it is that God wants to do, which is right and good and true, it can happen in you. It can happen through you if we choose to believe. So notice the location. Jesus said, has been with you, is with you, will be where? In you. And it's not till Jesus rises again. You remember Acts 1, Acts 2. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. And now there's a phenomenon that has never happened before in the history of humanity. 
and that's not an overstatement, God is now living in his people. Before people went to the temple, cleaned themselves, made themselves holy. He came upon them, the prophets and, and the kings and the priests. And it was momentary expressions of the presence of God. He, he walked with them fire by now, night, cloud by day. All of these appearings, all leading up to God's design from the beginning, Genesis 1 again, where God creates men and women and says, it's good and I'm going to live with them. And you know Genesis 1 and 2, God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And that's what happens now. You may not believe it. I may sound like a crazy man. I am simply telling you, the Holy Spirit, if you belong to Jesus, doesn't just hang around you on occasion. God's presence is in you. Now that is exciting, confusing, and frightening all at the same time. But we want to unpack this week. We're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does in us. Next week, we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does through us. Don't miss this. Listen to it ten times over. Because when you begin to understand God's design for your everyday life, it's going to excite and ignite some new things that you may not have been thinking about. Four things I want us to see this morning that the Holy Spirit does in us. Next week, we'll build on that on it and look at what he does through us. Number one, write this down. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings about our new life. How, how, do, how do we actually live in a new way? Well, we're recreated, right? The new creation has come and it happens by the Spirit. Look at Romans 8. And we have a lot of verses, so just write them down or take a photo and look at them later. Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, they do not belong to Christ. Pause for a second. It's not optional. Somebody's like, I, I believe in God the Father, the Son, I kind of get, Spirit freaks me out. Well, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong. But if Christ is in you, that's actually speaking of the Spirit, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life. So so I was living in sin and death, but it's the Spirit that gives life. Why? Because of righteousness. The Spirit is holy. God brings his holiness to us by giving us himself. And if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which he is, he who raised Christ from the dead, so the very one who raised Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So he's speaking in the future. One day in the resurrection... If you and I die before that happens, the Spirit of God will bring our mortal bodies to life in a new created body, and we will be with God forever. This is the Christian hope. This is your future. This is true of you. Man, this is going to get excited. I'm exciting myself. This is my second time today. So the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the internal change. That's what I, I want you to get. How do I change? This is less about me figuring out how to change and more about me recognizing God has brought the change agent to me. I have the Holy Spirit, therefore death no longer rules, life rules in me, the truth rules in me, and this isn't optional, you have the Spirit. In Romans, he's writing to a church of Jesus' followers, and he talks about their past, and they're present. And he says, because you belong to him, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, okay, so what happens? Second thing, write down. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives us new desires. 
So change requires desire, craves spiritual milk. A baby craves and mom satisfies the craving. And so what do I do with my cravings? I've said again and again and again, becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you don't crave things that are against Jesus. It means you have new cravings competing against those cravings. And there's an opportunity for godly cravings to win in your life if you will listen and believe. So the Spirit gives new desires. Titus, another letter from Paul to a leader in a church, 3 verses 3 through 7. At one time, he gives them their past and then their present. At one time, you were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice. Notice he says we. Even Paul, he didn't belong to Jesus. We lived in malice and envy, being hated, hating one another. You used to not be a follower of Jesus. Verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through, notice the phrase, the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus said, We're gonna, the Father's going to send the Spirit. And he says, look, you received Jesus, he sent the Spirit. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. So you used to be, but now you are. Washing every birth and renewal is the, the visual picture. We get the washing part. He makes us clean. But I think we need to think one step further. And rebirth, both by the Holy Spirit. So yes, he washes our past. We're freed. But that doesn't mean my desires have changed. I'm still like me, right? No, no, no. And rebirth, what does it mean? Rebirth. You are not the same you. The Holy Spirit, same physical body, same old passions and desires, same memories. But I am now not the same person, so I don't have to succumb to those old desires. Now, I can if I'm not careful. I don't have to, though. I've been reborn. Now I'm an heir of God. Now I have the hope of eternal life. And again, to clarify, it doesn't mean this is automatic because some of you are saying, like, I must not be a Christian because I'll say, I've got all sorts of desires. A few of them are godly, most are not. Join the club. Do you know your non-godly desires feel louder and pull stronger? But here's what I want us to remember. You are holy. You are like fine china, not a paper plate. So, my non-Jesus desires, they rise up all the time. But i got to remind myself, I am not that person. They may be louder, but they're not more powerful. I have the Spirit of God living in me. I can choose to crave God's desires over those old desires. And the way this happens is this empowering, washing, rebirth presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, you're like, I would love that, Jose. Okay, you haven't heard anything I said. That is already true of you. Doesn't mean we know it. Doesn't mean we believe it. Doesn't mean we lean in on it. Doesn't mean we act like it. But what I want us to get at ground level is I am reborn. I am full of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean he, he has all of me. That doesn't mean I listen to him. 
but it does mean that I belong to him and he's in me. And so my desires will change. You know, your, your, your desires for food changes over your lifetime. Have you found that to be true? Like I, when I was a kid growing up, tomatoes sent from the devil, avocados, close second. Two, like two things like, why do humans eat tomatoes? And I, I like tomato sauce because if you actually heat a tomato, it changes the chemical composure of it and brings out the sugars in it. And I like it. This is a fact. But tomato, raw tomatoes and avocados, today, just chop me up tomatoes and avocado, throw some onions, drizzle some olive oil, and oh my gosh, it's heaven. My desires have changed. I'm the same me, but I'm not. My body's ever-changing. Your tastes change, your desires change. Somehow, though, we let the enemy dupe us into believing, I will never change. Now, that's a lie because, humanly speaking, we know we change in time. And we know that we can grow. We know that we can learn. We know that we can overcome. But somehow when it comes to the Christian walk, we believe a lie. And the lie says, you've always been, you always will be. You can't. You know, someone else can. and Maybe, maybe you just don't have it. Uh, you, 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 the problem is, and we have these voices that are going all around our head. And those voices are not from God. Those voices are not the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean we don't sense them, hear them, feel them, even think them, buy into them. Here's what I'm saying. You're new. And so now you can choose to listen to those voices and tell those voices the truth. I am a child of God. I have the Holy Spirit. I am being changed. I'm holy now. And I'm being made holy. And by the way, I have the hope of life forever with God. Therefore, I can become whoever God wants me to be. Now, that's going to take work to start. And you're saying, like, Jose, that sounds okay. How do we get to that? We'll get back to that later. I want us to build two more thoughts, and we'll come back to how we step into this. You with me? Great. Number three, the Spirit brings the Scriptures to life. Uh, the Bible is a mysterious book. It's taught even in, you know, regular institutions. You go to most public and higher level institutions, colleges or whatever, and you could take courses in the Bible. It's in libraries. It's out there online. It's a book. The challenge with the Bible, though, is it's not just a book. It's actually the written recordings of God through men so that we would know his thoughts, we would know his heart, and we would know how to live in his way. So the Bible is a book. It's literature. It really is. It's narrative. It's poetry. It's prose. It's, it's a book. But it's not just a book. So the problem with the Bible is people can read it and say, so yeah, I didn't get anything out of it. Or when I compare the Bible with whatever, it doesn't seem to make sense. And look, time out. You're, you're missing the point. The point of the Bible is that we would know what God has said so we know what God is saying. We can evaluate our thoughts based on what's right and true. Here's what's required to actually get value out of the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. You don't believe me. John 16, verse 13. Jesus, again, right before he goes to the cross. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll, only, he'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And he's going to glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Bible is the recordings of God given by the Holy Spirit. All that belongs to the Father is mine, says Jesus. That's why I said the Spirit's going to receive from me what he will make known to you. That's why the Bible says uh, that all Scripture is God-breathed. 
So the prophets, when they were writing, when they were being given, they weren't just writing some good thoughts and some helpful tips. God was breathing life through them for our good so we wouldn't have to guess. Otherwise, think about it. How would we know what's right and true? So God's given us the scriptures. But what we need to remember is that book can be meaningless. Even it's meaningless to many believers. You look at it, you read it, it's, it's hard to understand. Where do you start? You get in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and you read this stuff and then you hear these wars and then some of it I get and some of it is just nonsense. I don't get the Bible. Well, here's a layer to think about. As I read the Bible, I need to remember God's given us the Holy Spirit to understand and apply the Bible. So you could just read it as a book like you'd read any other book. Or you could read it as friendship. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come alongside you. He'll be in you, but he'll be, he'll be there and he'll lead you and guide you in the truth. Do you know there are things that are real and true and good and helpful that I may not understand yet. Here's what I believe, and, and call me out. I may be overplaying it. I don't think I am. I think the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. I don't think that I know that. At that point, I think you could open the Bible begin to read, not knowing what in the world it's talking about, and the author of the Bible can give you insight you didn't know. And that's not the only way to read the Bible. We're called to study. Paul says to Timothy, a young leader, study to show yourself approved, a good workman created in Christ Jesus, that you would do good works, that you, you could prepare yourself. But I believe that you can, having the Holy Spirit of God, read the Bible live in a land that doesn't have access to any tools and actually know what God is saying. Why? Because the author lives in you. And so let's help ourselves by not falling in the trap saying the Bible is too complicated. I don't get anything out of it. Why don't we invite the author, who is the very spirit, living in you, Rather than reading just to get through, like, okay, God, I want to obey, I'll read the Bible. Why don't we approach it with, okay, I'm having a conversation with you, God. I want to know what your thoughts are for the day. I want to know what areas that you want to reshape in my world. I want to know, is there anything you want me to do? And as I read, would you take what was written and would you make it real and fresh to me? That's a different way of reading the Bible, not just for information, but for absolute transformation. And this kind of conversational tone with the Bible, it may seem weird at first, but let me tell you, when you see it as God's beautiful tool so that the author, the Spirit of God himself, can make known, and that way I can guide and guard my life from going off. So many thoughts that are floating in my head are off. I trust my emotions about 10% of the time. Most of the time, my emotions are just going to drive me off into a path that's not true. But you and I have the Spirit who is our guide who can help us together understand what God has said. Uh, a helpful quote of putting this together by a guy named J.D. Greer who wrote a really good book uh, called Jesus Continued, Why the Spirit Inside You is Better Than Jesus Beside You. A quote, the vibrant Christian life is a union, it's a connection of clarity in the Word, the Bible, and openness to the Spirit. If you want to be led by the Spirit of God, devote yourself to the Word of God. You won't know the Spirit any more than you'll know the Word of God. So if you want to walk by the Spirit of God, get on your knees, well, the knees part's optional, and open your 
Bible. God doesn't speak to me. Maybe he speaks to you as a, he doesn't speak to me. Well, speaking is a subjective word. What we want to hear is a physical voice saying, stop doing that, right? That's what we, what we want to hear. What we want is to be babied and not think. But rather, God has given us the truth. It's there on printed page. Absolutely authorized, helpful, timeless, proven. And now it's not just a book. Like here's a guide, here's a manual. Go figure it out. You give me a manual on a car and I'm calling a mechanic. I can't fix anything. Manual's not going to help me. I don't, I don't have what it takes. But instead we have the Holy Spirit, author, creator of the universe. In the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Holy Spirit was there at creation. And he created you. And he's now in you. And now he can guide you on how to live it out. It's why this beautiful thing, this, the ladies are always thinking in our church, the leaders are thinking, what can we do to help our women along? And they came with this idea of women's one-to-one Bible reading that you saw. October 1st, is, it's one meeting. And then seven weeks, just you find one lady. And they're just going to give you the guide at the one meeting with the dessert. On a guided reading, what you do is Colossians is really short. Over seven weeks, you're reading like, like a paragraph each week. And you're reading it with one other lady. And what you're doing is exactly what J.D. Greer is talking about. Allowing the Spirit of God to just be there as you read this. There's a little guide to talk about it on how do we begin to understand what it means and how to live it out. And it's just two ladies, one-to-one. Hanging out at a coffee shop, house, wherever, and talking about the Bible once a week for seven weeks with a paragraph this big. And you say, like, was that actually going to be helpful? That could, have, that could change your world forever. Because it, what it's going to do is crave spiritual milk. When you sit and read the Bible, reading the Bible by yourself is helpful. Reading the Bible with someone else is more helpful. Here's why. They're going to begin to see things you didn't see, ask questions you didn't ask. Or... They're going to have a question about something you actually know the answer to. And by the way, that's how the Holy Spirit grows us in truth. It's not software direct download necessarily. Most of the time is the Holy Spirit has revealed what's true to someone who's part of God's people, another brother or sister, a child of God. But you didn't know it, so it's not changing you. And then God brings you to them, and the Holy Spirit works through them to bring what's in the Bible and true into your life. This is not rocket science, but can I suggest this? If you drop the fundamentals, it's easy to get discouraged. And so what we want to do in the season of life as a church is grab hold to the basics and learn that the Spirit of God is always working through the Word of God in our lives. We just need to get ourselves together in front of it. All right, enough about that. Well, I'll talk about it later, actually. I'll come back to it. Number four, and we're, we're just about done, which is a preacher's way of saying nothing. The Spirit, produces, um, the, the, the Spirit produces God's character in us. The Holy Spirit produces God's character in us. So, so the Spirit brings us to new life, right? The Spirit opens our mind to the Scriptures. We see what's right and true. The uh, Spirit's there with us. But how do I create character change? Like, God is love but I'm not loving. God is joy, but I'm not joy-filled. God is peace, God is patience, but I'm not those things. Look at what the Holy Spirit does, Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, now this is speaking to believers, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires 
of the flesh. I want us to think about this for a second. I have the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean I'm listening. It's just like I'm married to my wife, but I could choose to live not married. Right? I could choose to live in a wild, crazy way and ignore the fact that I am married. By the way, I'm not doing that. But, <laughs> disclaimer, but, but I am married, but I can, I can walk in a way, live in a way that's not like a married person. You are a child of God, but you can live like you're not. So the command is walk by the Spirit, and when you do that, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And this is what the flesh is. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. The spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict so that you are not to do whatever you want. You're, as a follower of Jesus, I have desires. Two sets. Godly desires are my deepest desires. If the spirit lives in you, your deepest desire is to follow God. The challenge is your loudest desire may not be. The loudest voice is saying do whatever you want. But, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this, they're not going to inherit the King of God, kingdom of God. So uh, we are changed from the inside. That's true. But now I'm battling these desires which are still trying to pull me away from God. The one command there, if you look at the Bible carefully, is not stop doing this, stop doing that. So here's what we try to do. We just try to change our behavior. So I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to have fits of rage. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to have orgies. Helpful not to do that, right? We all, we get that. But that's missing the point. The one command in here is walk by the Spirit. So we need to think about what we think about. The command is walk by the Spirit. Live in close proximity with the heart of God. How do we do that? Our greatest weapon is the Word of God. We know what God has said. We hear what God has said. The Spirit of God begins to show us, teach us, model to us, encourage us. If we focus on God, we will not live in that other way. I love what the New Living Translation says on that verse, walking by the Spirit. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's another translation of that same verse. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So the Spirit is in you. Let me ask you, though, are you asking the Spirit to guide you? Not a force, not some Jedi, not some software. The person of God, are you inviting God? God, I want to be guided by you. Well, here's the fun part. Because we're already children of God, here's what God will produce. Look down at verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. God doesn't need a law. God doesn't need a book. Why? God is love. The reason that we have the law is because we choose to live in an unloving way. But guess what? God is loving. God is patient. And God is kind. And so when you're close to God, you don't need a long list of rules and regulations because God is showing you how to live. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
and he's speaking past tense. Those of us who are followers of Jesus have been crucified with Christ. This has already happened. Now live like it's already happened. The old you is dead. Don't let the old you dominate. Now let's confess. There are times when all of us slide over to the old us, right? There are times, especially when you stub your toe. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. Suddenly the old you just, just pops out. There are times where you feel like, man, I keep leaning in that direction. Here's what I'm saying. That is part of the normal Christian experience, but you don't have to let that dominate you. You've been set free. The Spirit lives in you. So the fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit isn't something that's commanded for you to do. Hey, you're a Jesus follower. Be more loving. Here's the command. Be joyful. Be patient. Be kind. Those are virtues, and virtues are human attempts at doing what only the Holy Spirit can do. Only the Holy Spirit can produce love in our life in a full way. And so there isn't a command, do these things. Rather, Paul says, the list of sinful actions is long, but the evidence of God in your life is long as well. And here's what God is producing. God wants to produce a life of love. God wants to produce joy. God wants to produce peace. And he is doing it, and he will do it. The command is walk in it. So the question is not like, hey, have you been fruitful this week? Have you been loving? Have you been kind? Because the answer is in part, no. The invitation is this week, are you, are you seeking after the things of God? Are you choosing to listen to God's voice? Are you craving spiritual milk? Are you going in Jesus' direction? And in that, here's what you're going to find. God will produce his character in you. And when his character is growing in you, your behavior has no point but to change. And so what you'll see is someone who's been a follower of Jesus a long time and lived this way. You think like, I, have you ever met someone like, I wish one day I will be like so-and-so. I think most of us, we have someone like, now I'm going to tell you something that's, that's going to make them mad. They're no more godly than you. They have the same spirit that you do. The Holy Spirit lives in you. What you're seeing is the evidence of a life walking with God. So the call is always walk with God and behavior changes. Now, in light of that, I think hearing truth without being called to action is only half helpful. So we've seen, we've seen four things. Let's just recap them together, okay? The Spirit brings about our new life. The Spirit gives us new desires, brings the Scripture to life in us so we can actually be guiding those new desires, and produces God's character. The Holy Spirit is already doing this. You just probably don't see it. You probably don't see it, but he's actually doing this in you right now. How, though, do I accelerate that? I feel like, man, I, I'm not seeing the evidence as much as I would like. Well, there is a way to accelerate it. Keep reading the Bible. Right after the fruit of the Spirit, verse 25, and this is going to bring us and invite us to respond. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step. Again, the analogy, walk with. The Spirit is walking with you. Now walk with the Spirit. Don't run away. Keep in step. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, and here's the punchline. If someone is caught in a sin, 
you who live by the Spirit should talk about that person behind their back. No, what? Restore that person gently. Oh, but watch yourselves. You may also be tempted. Verse 2 of chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens. That's not talking about paying bills. Although in other places it says we should love one another. And if anyone is without food, we should feed them. Without clothes, we should clothe them. Here it's talking about our own sin. Carry each other's burdens to try to live like Jesus. When you have people around you who are struggling along, trying to live more like Jesus, what's the command? Because we have the Holy Spirit who's made us new, gives us new desires, opens the scriptures to us, what should we do now? We should live with one another and help each other out. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' followers are to love one another by keeping in step, walking by, carrying along as the Holy Spirit enables us. That's the invitation. By the way, that whole paragraph implies we know each other. If anyone is caught in a sin, which means someone else knows about it. So here's what we can actually do. We want to get rid of the old patterns of living and live in the new way. We are a new people. That was last week. So we want to grow in love with one another. How is the Holy Spirit going to produce character in you? Most often, someone else in your life who's gained a little bit of traction and victory in an area, as you interact with them and you both come back to the truth of God and they say, you know, it wasn't me, but here's how I grew. And you begin to think about the word of God and how to live it out and you live it out together and you stumble and fall and you get up, you stumble and fall and get up. As you do that together and carry each other's burdens, God's character is produced in your life. And so we need one another. We need to keep in step. Now, I'm so convinced that this is right and true that in a couple of weeks, I'm not going to do it today, in a couple of weeks, we're going to lay out how in this next season of a church we're going to live this out. We're not just going to talk about it. And so Sundays are good if it's thought-provoking and helpful, inspirational, challenging, because it can get you thinking, Man, I want more of the Spirit of God. But it doesn't mean it's going to produce different behavior. It doesn't mean you're going to live it out. And there's a disconnect. Some of us hear something on Sunday. It was cool. We have lunch. We watch football. Monday, no change. No change. Here's what we're going to do. Starting in a couple of weeks, every Sunday message you hear, you hear here is going to have attached to it something for you to do. A few questions, uh, a few other verses to go deeper. And it's not intended for you to do by yourself, like, oh, me and Jesus. No, it's intended for you to do with someone else. And our women are leading the way. Why? Because women lead the way. And they're doing seven weeks in Colossians, and they're one-to-one. Now, that's not going to be a new programmatic thing where everyone goes one-to-one. Rather, as a whole church, moving forward, we're going to invite you to connect in an ongoing way to particularly talk about what you just heard on Sunday with a view to understand it better, wrestle with it, challenge it, think about it, and in the end, carry each other's burdens to live it out. And I think if we'll do more action on what we heard, I'm convinced, if we only heard one message a month and spent the whole month living it out, A, my job would be easier, and I think B, we would see progress. I'm not saying you need less messages, less Bible content. I'm not saying that. I'm saying hearing it without action 
is only half of the equation. So we're moving the format of Sunday. You're not going to see anything different. It's still going to be awesome, right? You're not going to see anything different. But the little twist is going to be you're invited. This is going to be lecture. I talk to you. Someone talks to you. But you ever go to a science class and there's lecture and lab? Like you talk about biology, but then you cut the frog. Sorry for the frog. He was already dead. But there's something about dissecting it, so to speak, looking at it, that can take the truth and actually bring it to life. And so what we're moving to as a church is a rhythm where we talk on Sunday, we pray, we wrestle with it, but then the next step is we look to take action. And that is best done not with 300 people, but with a few. And so that's the invitation. More on that in the weeks to come. Ladies, please be here on August, uh, I'm sorry, October the 1st because it's going to take a while to roll this out as a church and to do it in a way that's helpful for everybody. But you've already been invited to lead the way and just talk about Colossians and see what the Spirit will do. All right, what's the one line we need to focus on to respond and worship? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's the line. Um, The Spirit has already given us life. Let's keep in step. So what we're going to do is we talk about like hearing it and then doing it. I'm going to ask you to do it now, and here's the relief. For this week, you're not going to talk to anybody else, okay? So don't, don't be a hater. You're not going to talk to anyone else. But I'm going to ask you to talk to the Holy Spirit, to ask God himself to guide you on the first step to take. You ready? Please, stand on your feet if you would. Stand on your feet. And here's what we're going to do. I'm asking Brandon just to play so that it's not weird and, it, you know, you hear everyone's thoughts. That's scary. Here's the one question we're going to ask. We're going to ask God. God, how do we make room to listen? That's like, that's the first primary step. Uh, In order for us to have an orientation that's Godward, we probably need to declutter. We probably need to adjust. Some things need to stop. Some things need to start. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. We're just going to ask Those who live by the Spirit, you are alive by the Spirit. Just keep in step. The Spirit may be wanting to teach you, and you're like, no, I'm I'm content. The Spirit may want to adjust parts of your life. You're like, no, I'm happy in this direction. So we're just going to ask God, God, how do I make room to hear from you? And all I want you to do, and this is not weird, as something comes to mind, If you need to write it down, write it down. It may not be God. It might. Um, And then if you know another Jesus follower or you're with someone here, when you're done and you're off doing something, just ask, like, hey, did you get any clarity on, on what you should do to help be in a space to hear God better? You'll be surprised how God will just use that little thing, that little thing. And and that's where we want to start. And then we'll build on it next week because the Holy Spirit wants to do things through you. And uh, I can't wait for that one. So I'm going to go to sleep for six days and just wake up and it's going to be Sunday. I just said, I'm sorry, I I could do it right now. I'm ready. But uh, you're not. You're ready to go. All right, Lord, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if that's helpful. When I look around, I get distracted. And just ask this question. God, how to... What do, I, what do I need to do? How can I make room for more of, of your voice in my life? And then uh, 
I'm going to walk away and Brandon's just going to play. We'll eventually go to sing. And then we have a prayer room. If you want to continue this, if you need prayer for anything, God, something's happening in your life. You need, like Blaine who's in the hospital, you, you, you just need God to step in. You're wrestling with something. We have a prayer team. Just go out to the right when the music begins. And we have friends that are there right now to pray with you, agree with you, listen to you. All right, let's just be in silence and listen. God, what do I need to do to make room for you?